This is the Monday, January 10th edition of the Daily Wager podcast. We got the big national championship game, but some other potential money-making opportunities as well. We'll get you in and out in less than 10 minutes. Welcome to the Daily Wager podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I'm Doug Kazarian, joined this Monday morning by Joe Fortenbaugh. How are you, my friend? Big day, my man. Big day indeed. We're through a huge week 18, but we got the national championship tonight. This is always one of my favorite days of the year, so I'm excited to state the least. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, obviously we've seen this line uh, fluctuate a little bit. Um, it is at two and a half, which, you know, I'm a little surprised that it came down because the sharp money, when it opened, pushed it to three. And when that happens, books usually do everything they can when they know the strike price of the... Um, of the of the sharps that they they know to stay away from that. That's why you you know in the NFL we'll see they'll you know you stay you, you see the line stay at three instead of three and a half because they've already taken plus three and a half things like that. But the public does influence the market when it comes to huge games like the national championship game, Super Bowl, because the volume is so heavy with the public that it actually outweighs the sharp money. And they need the sharp money to offset the liability. Typically, that's the approach. Not always the approach for every book, but that's typically the approach. But we're here below three, which does that surprise you? It does a little bit. And I will say this. I was looking at the market right before we started taping, which is about noon Eastern, and threes are starting to pop up at a lot of shops. So okay. on the app I use that has about 25 books listed, it's almost half and half, half to three, half to two and a half. So if you like Bama, your opportunity is there for three. If you like Georgia, your opportunity is there for two and a half. Yeah, and it's a good point. I am seeing more threes, but the, some of the public books. So I have said that I respect everyone who's betting on the side. I just couldn't because I just think it's a coin flip game. I think there's other edges, so to speak, out there in the world. We all want action on the game. I get it. That's why I'm ready to pounce in live betting. But um, I just don't see a, a firm play on the side. I understand both sides in terms of uh, the, the rationale with it. It's not my favorite bet. I have some props I really like, and I do have a stronger position on the total, but I am going to play Georgia here. Um, when you and I have been talking about this game for close to a month. You just go back and you look at the fact that in the SEC championship game, Georgia was laying six. Yes, they got rocked in that game, but now they're only laying two and a half. We moved three and a half points, and you remove John Mechie from the equation. You take all the data that Georgia's able to gather from what happened to them in that SEC championship game, and I think we get this price at a discount. It will not surprise me in the least if Alabama and Nick Saban do what Alabama and Nick Saban have done in the past. But I think we're going to get a much better Georgia defensive effort this time around. And I think that's going to lend itself more to confidence early in the game, sustain confidence throughout the game, and it will give Georgia the opportunity to deploy the way it wants to deploy. So I will have a position half-unit wager on Georgia minus 2.5. All right, yeah, that's the only side I would lean at two and a half because I do think the power ratings and all that, but I, I just can't get behind it. Let's talk total because you and I are on opposite sides here. I'm on the over. Pretty much, I think, just good offense beats good defense, and I think the coaches will have all the adjustments ready and have their teams ready. There's only so much you can do defensively when you have the speed and athleticism on offense, the tempo, the dome stadium, the officiating sometimes, and it's just – I, I know that Bama's defense is better than people realize, and obviously Georgia's got a great defense, but I throw out all these stats that are accumulated against these kind of mid-SEC mid, mid, mid like mid -SEC teams to some of the good teams. It's just like I don't care where they rank. This is about two teams that really very few teams belong in the same field with throughout the course of the entire season, and I just think it's going to be too much offense for these good defenses. All right. We are on opposite sides. I've played under 52.5 here. Um, 
Alabama just 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 bulldozed Georgia in that SEC championship game. Total was about 48 and a half there, so they have raised the number. Not a surprise to see that considering there were 65 points in that SEC title game. I just don't think Alabama's offense is going to have as much success. Number one, because of what they put on tape against Georgia the first time around. Number two, because you're taking a big component of that success out of the equation in John Mechie. Uh, he's probably the best blocking wide receiver in the country, but in the SEC title game, he also caught six passes for 97 yards and a touchdown before he wrecked his knee. With him out of the equation, and maybe this was a byproduct of not wanting to show too much or having a big lead, but Bear talked about this. Uh, the semifinal against Cincinnati, that offense, that Alabama offense was very different. Not as many explosive plays, not as many big plays. It was just one game against a good opponent. You know, maybe it was somewhat of an off night, but not having Mechie, I think, is going to be felt. It's going to be tough to establish the run in this game. I don't think they're going to be able to score from all over the field like they did in the first one. Conversely, I do trust Alabama's defense to continue getting stops against a player like Stetson Bennett. Under 52 and a half is my play on the total. Okay. Well, one of us will be right because we got the half We'll point. save each other the juice, baby. Save <laughs> each other the juice. We'll go heads up here. What do you got for um, uh, props? Three props in order of how much I like them. Number one, Bama quarterback Bryce Young over 11 and a half rushing yards. Now, he's not a runner, okay? He only ran for 43 total yards on the season. So this is a really low number, and it's priced that way because he doesn't run much. But keep this in mind. Um, he ran for 40 yards on three carries against Georgia the first time around. He is going to need to use his legs in this game. This is the best defense he has faced all season long. He had success against them the first time around, but they're going to bring the pressure. He's going to need to be elusive. He's going to need to be able to take what they give him. And I think in this game, as the Heisman Trophy winner, if the throwing isn't there like it was the first time, again, no John Mechie, he's going to be using his legs. Now, it's college football, so sacks count against your rushing total, not your throwing total, but I am going to play over 11 and a half rushing yards for Bryce Young. Number two, Bama running back Brian Robinson under 68 and a half rushing yards. This opened upwards of close to 80. It's now down to 68 and a half. Georgia's number three in the country in run defense. But the key here is the number was a little inflated because Robinson went off against Cincinnati, season high 204 yards. He's not going to do that against Georgia. You saw Bama's game plan the first time around. They know they can't run successfully on a consistent basis against these guys. So they turned it over to Young. Now they might try to run more in this game, but I don't think they're going to have a lot of success and in that SEC championship game, Robinson had 16 carries, only 55 yards, and he averaged just 3.4, excuse me, yards per carry. That was a season low. So 68 and a half, I still think it's high, especially if Georgia's playing from the lead in this game. Bama's going to have to throw late. They're not going to be able to lean on the running game late to grind the clock. So Robinson under 68 and a half rushing yards. And then I'm going to play a little first TD action just for, just for fun. Georgia running back James Cook, 10 to 1 to score the first touchdown. He's Georgia's second leading rusher, and he's their fourth leading receiver. He had more touches than anybody else on the Georgia roster in that game against Bama. He touched the ball 14 times. Saban versus Kirby Smart. This is the fifth time these two have faced each other. Georgia has scored the first touchdown in three of those four games. So I'll take a shot on James Cook at 10-1. to 1. You know, it's funny you mentioned the Bryce Young. I like that play a lot because I do think um, when all chips are on the table – like, you have to just do things, right? I talked about it in the last couple of playoff runs. Russell Wilson's brushing yards. I always bet over because he just you, – you make plays, you just do it. Um, whereas sometimes during the regular season, you throw it away, things like that. I actually like him 25-1 to 1 neighborhood of scoring the first touchdown. Yes. He will tuck it and run inside the 10. I mean, obviously, there's big playability from passing, and then he won't be. But when you're around the goal line inside the five, he usually 
looks downfield when he's flush in the pocket, which is great, but I think he might have to tuck and run in certain situations. And again, different game plans too. They're going to implement a game plan against Georgia that they did not against other teams in the country. So it's going to be a different sort of uh, mindset with, with the quarterback. Uh, there's always games elsewhere. You can maybe make some money during the championship game on an NBA game or a college game. Now, there's not a stack card in college, but anything in the association that jumps out? Yeah, the Bucks and the Hornets are playing again tonight. Massive total. It's 236.5. I will play the over. Okay, these two just played each other on Saturday, and then they head off on Sunday, so here they go again. And when you have those type of situations, in the second game, I kind of like to bet the opposite of what happened in the first game, either side or total, if there's some data that may have skewed outside the norm in the first game. And that's kind of what we got. So the first game Saturday, when these two got together, the total was 235 and a half, pretty much where it is now. They only scored 220 points. So they missed the total going over by 16. But what happened in that game? All right, you have two teams that shot well below their season average from the field. They both shoot about 45.5% from the field in that game. You had Charlotte shooting 44%, so just a slight drop. Milwaukee only shot 38%. And if you go to three-point shooting, both teams are 36% or higher on the season. Both teams in that game shot 33% or less. So shooting was a bit off, and as a result, they had this dud of a second quarter where they only scored 32 total points. If you have an average second quarter, which maybe let's call it 50 points. And I don't even think that's average by today's standards in the NBA. This goes soaring over the total. And if you look at the pace metrics, Charlotte plays at a very fast, fast pace. The Bucks are top eight in the league in pace. The pace metric for this game was the 25th fastest out of 40 games for Charlotte this year. So it was in the bottom half. So I think if the pace picks up and the shooting just gets to average for these two teams, which shouldn't be too hard considering how bad Charlotte's defense is, we should have no problem getting over this time around considering what we saw in game one. So over 236.5, Milwaukee and Charlotte tonight the NBA. I'm looking at Brooklyn Lane, the nine in Portland. Obviously, we know the trouble with the Blazers right now. They did, the betting bully. Uh, Here comes the betting bully. I know. They did uh, – the reason I like it even more is they did finally get a win. They took care of business against Sacramento, one by 15 – all right, next night, Brooklyn comes to town. No longer, I don't want to say hungry, but they, uh, they did get off the schneid. So uh, I, I like Portland to take care of, excuse me, Brooklyn to take care of business and win by double digits. That's my only play. It's, a, it's, like, a lean, it's like a hard lean, if you will. Yeah, uh, hard lean. I like it. Yeah. That's about it, though. Anything for you, uh, else for you? No, I'm good. I can't wait for the championship game. I would say that by the time we get the kickoff, I might have a few more props. But good news for the people is that there will be an episode of Bet on ESPN Digital today. The YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash ESPN Sports Betting. Tyler and I holding it down. That'll be at 9, or excuse me, that will be at 12.30 p.m. Pacific, so 3.30 p.m. Eastern. And I also know we have a special episode of Daily Wager today, don't we? Yes, we do. So uh, I'm getting my time zones all messed up, but uh, I know it's um, 5.30, 5.30 Eastern, right? 5.30, 530 Eastern. Eastern. So we, you guys are busy with bet and we're busy with daily wager as well. We'll see you guys later on ESPN two and uh, the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm.